You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. We'll pay. We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. Burn. Awkward silence. I was wondering how long we're going to go with that awkward silence. I was going to stare into your eyes until you looked away. We talk about something before we get to the topic at hand. We have a, an affiliate U member, Dennis. Now, Dennis coached a teenage girl, 17 years old, mm -hmm. in, the, in the age qualifier. CrossFit she, Abyss. Let's give Dennis a former staff member. Let's give him a shout out. All right. right. Shout out, Dennis. 275 for four on the front squat. That's egregious. That's. This is well. What's interesting about this is so I think he's been coaching her for a while, right? Like for set for like five or six years, I think. And this is a testament to training at a young age, right? Training intelligently at a young age and not breaking yourself. But like that is insane. She's seventeen, I think. She's well. She yes. She's seven. That's what he said. Right. That's insane. It's. We were just talking about crypto before we got on this. Before we hit record, it's kind of like crypto, right? Like. It's just skyrocketing and fitness. It doesn't make sense. What's that? It doesn't make sense. It's like the speed in a Tesla. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I think I was listening to an interview. You know who Lex Friedman is? Yep. He had a guy named been John. On, he's got a podcast. He's been on Joe Rogan quite a, probably four times probably. Yeah. MIT guy, super smart Russian, but jujitsu guy. He had John Donaher on. And they were, he was a very well-known jujitsu teacher. And they were, you know, asking about John Donaher has a leg lock system, which is basically, you know, rather than arm barring and choking, you attack the legs. And he's like, you know, how much more progress are we going to make in this leg lock system? And he related it to the jet engine. And he said, you know, from 1945 to 1960, planes got like a hundred miles an hour faster every year. So for 15 years, there was just this incredible growth and speed and everything. And he's like, but if you got on a plane in 1960 and you got on a plane today, they're basically the same. 
Right. There's been very little changed, at least on the high end. And most of the, at least in my knowledge with regard to avionics, if you will, has to do with propulsion and more to do with aerodynamics or flying higher in order to fly faster. Right. So, you know, um, you know, flying higher in the atmosphere where friction is less, things like that, you know, like orbit type stuff. Um, so, but yeah, propulsion wise, I don't, I don't know that there's been much made. There's been a ton made with regard to robotics and AI where you can use propulsion differently, where now we can send a booster into space and it can come back and it land itself so we can reuse it and, and reduce our cost that way. But I don't know there's been a ton made in like combustion engines. Well, I guess my, my question, my thought is, are we there for CrossFit as well? Are we there for I don't, fitness? I don't we think so. Are still in that growth phase where we're going to see 17-year-old girls front squatting 275? For, and and I, don't, I haven't even checked, but I, I would guess that's not even the number one score. Probably not. You know, I, not if we, not if we were to, cause like if we were to, if we were to compare that to a, a world-class weightlifter, like Olympic weightlifter, it's probably not close, you know, no. so size-wise. So there, there's a lot of room to be made there. And I, so, which is cool. You know, what, what's interesting is to see as they move towards the upper ends of strength, but there's obviously a limit to that with, you know, you, if you, if you remove like your genetic, you know, anomalies and those freak shows, um, do they retain the rest of the skills is the question. Yeah. So like, can they hit these top numbers and walk on their hands for a hundred yards? Like that, that's the interesting topic at hand. And we're not even close to that because we could agree that CrossFitters by and large are are fairly good at weightlifting, right? Like they're not, uh, they're not world-class weightlifters, but they've made far greater leaps in weightlifting than they have in gymnastics. Most gymnastics, uh, CrossFitters do not have basic gymnastics skills the vast majority of them are fairly, at least we could call it like somewhat competent in the lifts. I, I like that. That's an interesting point because you're right. Uh, the best CrossFitters are probably at the maybe, what would you say, 90th percentile in weightlifting? They're, they're so, pretty, I mean, maybe yeah, I mean, 80, 80 to 90, depending on weight class. Like once you get in the weight classes, then it's, then they're way off, but close enough. Right. You know, you, I mean, it's like, you, like you see Tia Claire, Tia Claire makes the Olympics. So that that's, you know, so a good example. If, if we say in weightlifting, they're at 85 to 90, call it, where are they in gymnastics and monostructural? Uh, monostructural, I think is fast enough, but I think the be, but required what's required in order to get to the end of the spectrum for monostructural, you have to give up so much in order to make it happen. But there's there's plenty of guys out there running sub five miles, which I which I consider 90th percentile. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to monostructural, a it, it's there's many different things. There's running, there's rowing, there's swimming. So some of those are you know we're higher than others. I would I would rowing's get, rowing's high. I think um, cycling is probably not very high. The, right, ro- what's that? Right. Right. But if you look at something like world, like, I think if you looked at the world-class marathon road times, I think some of the CrossFitters are like right in the mix when they did really? that. You know, if you look, yeah, if you look at the 2K times and like, they're fairly close, right? Like they're, they're, they're reasonably close. They're not getting blown out of the water like they are in the mile, right? Where there are people getting beat by 90 seconds in the mile. 
See, that's interesting because I would have argued that they're better at the, we're closer to the top of the shorter distances than we are at the longer distances. Uh, well, it depends on short, right? So if you're talking about 100 meter sprints, the margin for error there, like what are we, what are we calling close one second? Device. Right. Yeah. If you're talking 10% of 10 and a half percent, I just saw an NFL player ran like a 10, six uh, or 10, four hundred meters. And, have, and he, he was a giant. It was, a, it was terrifying. Well, and I was going to say, you know, running and rowing, which obviously have skill involved a little less skill than something like even biking or swimming biking, because, you know, we, we judged that crit a couple of years ago in Madison and it was scary watching because people were just wiping out left and right. Right. That's a totally separate skill set. So they're way off the margin on those swimming way off the margin on those. Just don't do it as much. Um, but some of them are like, I think running, if you look at overall, I, I think they're fairly close. If you're looking at intermediate distances, um, cause it, it's not, you it wouldn't be weird to find a crossfitter who could run, you know, for sure. Uh, 17 and some change 5k, you know what I mean? But like a mile time, you're talking about three minutes and some change. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's like offensively fast, but you know, what's, what's a 458 versus a 343 in my mind is pretty fucking close. It is, you know, it's close, but it really isn't right. Like if you showed up at the Olympics and you had a 458 mile, the, the stadium laughed off the track. Yeah. would be like, who's this guy? Is this guy got a broken leg? Is he doing the two mile? What's he got doing? Broken leg? <laughs> All right. Well, a little off topic, but but let's dive into today's topic at hand. How many active members do you have right now, approximately at right? Ooh, 287? What? Two, that's, do you realize that's probably, we talk about percentiles, that's the 99th percentile of CrossFit affiliates. I have no idea, to be honest with you. I do. I just told you. Oh, you just made, yeah. 90% of statistics are made up, everybody. Um, <laughs> I mean... I don't, I don't know that to be 100% true, but I can tell you I've not spoken to many other boxes. I can probably name two that are there. One is being, one being, I think, CrossFit South Brooklyn, David Osorio's box probably has quite a bit. Right. So the counter argument is like, I know of gyms that have, have, have had 500 to potentially 1,000, like black box in New York. Or Paris, right? There's a couple... Right, yeah, the uh, CrossFit Louvre has had, you know, I think a, a thousand members. Speaking of, we were supposed to go um, there before COVID shut us down. Right. We'll go there. Right. We'll go on our honeymoon. So yeah, I think uh, I think that's I, that it's that's within five. I, I'd have to go in there and pull it up, but I know it's within five. Five so members. When you think about two hundred and eighty-seven members, right? A lot of affiliate owners or coaches or members right now listening, like, damn, that's high. You know, you must be fantastic at sales. You must be exceptional at getting people in your door and getting them to join CrossFit Rife. Is that we true? have gotten ex we have gotten exponentially better at it year over year. I don't I don't know. This is this is a weird conversation I think because I don't like what are we comparing it to? Do I think we do a good job of it? Yeah, I think we do a good job of it. We're constantly looking at it. We're kind of ref we're constantly refining it. And when I say sales, I mean the act of there is a a lead that comes in that then is contacted that we get in the door and then convert right this you know like organically because we don't do any paid advertising currently so to get to 287 have you ever done paid advertising uh i have done paid advertising 
and never got into 287. So you, I, I agree. I think, you know, there was that push for quite some time, whether it was the boot camps and no sweat and this, I don't even know what they were called, to get new people in the door. And I guess that's kind of what we're chatting about today. But I was at a box that was running these programs month over month. And it was great. They were getting a nice cash influx. But what I also noticed was none of those people stuck around. So you're always just chasing the next cohort. It, it, do, it does become problematic uh, because now, now I'm a slave to the sale. Right. So if you just do the math on it, some of it doesn't make sense. Meaning, okay, well, if you did $20,000 of sales this month, like whatever, I've seen those numbers thrown out there. Well, then I'm like, okay, well then, so in four months, you're at, you know, let's call it four to six months, you're at a million dollar run rate. And that's just where you're at. You're just at a million bucks. And more often than not, that's not the case. Like if you, if you pop the hood on these things, they're like, they're nowhere close to that. And I'm like, oh, you're just having to redo this every six weeks, which is very problematic because now my focus shifts away from, you know, from service. And, and now it is solely sales. And, and that's a, and that's a, that's a more nuanced conversation that needs to be had because, you know, if, if you listen to the podcast we do with Michael McCallowitz and, and we talk about the, the hierarchy of needs for a business base layer is sales, but everybody only looks at that and says new sales. Yeah. I think that's the fundamental problem. That's exactly it. It's like, okay, sales, like I gotta get, what do you think sales? Do you think I have to get new people in my door to make this right. when in fact there are so many sales that are happening within your doors on a daily basis and, and, and many of which are not happening because you're not actually a making sales or be good at those sales. I think if you looked at this through a different lens, because when you, when you look at it the other way, just say, okay, I've got all this new sales coming in. You're looking at it as a one-time transaction hey, I made the sale. It's done. Nobody cares anymore. Versus looking at this the way we look at it. And when I say we, I mean, you know, like you and I and, and everybody that we walk through this process is nobody ever leaves the sales process. Like I'm continually selling them on staying here every single month. Now that may sound exhausting, but you can put a lot of things in place that would facilitate that. And this is, and this is kind of, I think it's a bit misleading if it's like, hey, you know, uh, retention is not your problem. Well, I disagree wholeheartedly, having seen the inside of a lot of gyms. There are massive retention problems going on there. And if you're bringing in $20,000 or even $10,000 a month, new sales, and you are not stacking that month over month, well, by definition, you have a retention problem. Like, I don't know, I'll, like that, anybody who's going to say you don't, if that's, that is nonsense, and you should walk away from that conversation. You can't look at it that way. It has to be a continual service-based resale, meaning like they want to stay there. It, it, is a, it, is a, it is not a mandatory transaction for them to stay there. And if I look at it long-term and I bring the number down, I'm like, well, let me do $5,000 of, of new sales this month and then stack that month over month. And I'm getting a $3,000 increase month over month versus a $20,000 increase. But the number that, bring, that I bring in I focus on and give them a way better experience. And then their likelihood of staying is not 120 days. It is 22 to 24 months. This is how you start to hit really high gross revenue numbers that you, that is now, that is now a reoccurring revenue number that doesn't require 
a front end funnel that does $20,000 in sales to hit that number again, right? So it's always the question I would ask is like, if you turn that funnel off right now, what does your sales look like next month? And there's many instances where like, well, it looks $20,000 less than it is right now. That's a fucking problem. A real problem because you are not liquid in any way, shape or form. Like that is, you are now quite, and we probably saw it in many instances in COVID where you are now mm, 30 to 60 days away from being out of business. Well, and it's funny too, that a community and a business style that promotes this idea of community and this idea of family doesn't focus on keeping that intact and growing that but focuses on cool, I've got this, now let me go outside and get more rather than saying, hey, rather than going out and get, getting more, what if I just did a really good job with these people that are already here and I busted my ass to keep them forever. And not only that, maybe increase the price, supply and demand, or maybe mm -hmm. just offer them more opportunity to buy within the gym. Like, the people that are already there spending 150 to $200 a month are the people that are willing to spend another 10, 20 or $30 a month on many things that could be supplements. It could be premium services. It, it, you know, it could be a t-shirt. There's so many things you can be doing and it's a captive audience. They're there already. They want to be there. They've already committed to that. And this doesn't mean you jack up their price all the time, right? It doesn't mean like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to go from $170 to $300 a membership. And if they don't want to pay that, then I'll get rid of them. I'm just going to reduce my workload. I'm like, there's a happy medium there where you can do both. I can grow to a 350, maybe 400 person gym offering really good service and, and fair price where we deliver every single time people walk out onto the floor and we have all these extra things that they might want. Um, it's way harder, you know, but again, we're in the business of being professionals. That's what I think people should be striving for, right? That, that's, the, that's what I would, if we were to kind of like make this mythical, like level four gym, that's what it would look like. You call it what, CrossFit Ackerman since it's a level four gym? We would, no, it, yeah, CrossFit small person. That's what we would call it. The, you know, so, I heard something interesting. I, I, by the way, I gave you that layup. I'm glad you took it. Thank, yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. We, we practiced that ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard something interesting about someone there saying he's not small he's short and i thought that about myself i'm not small 140 pounds of you know solid steel and text appeal over here neither one of those things my friend yeah neither one of those things but it's interesting too because we you know we kicked off talking about your 287 members which is awesome and something a lot of gyms should strive for but i think if you only strive now, for I, that, I, what now i do want to say something having that number absent of anything else is no different than telling me what your weight is. I just told you 140 pounds, not your weight. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you're like, Oh, but you're, but you're four eleven, and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. Like this paints a whole different picture. I'm like, not, you're not impressive anymore. When you tell me that you're five one, you right? heard me like, say sex appeal, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, I get it. At what, at what the, height is nose, one? No, nose hold, nose hold. And I both agree that you are delusional. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Nosehold, for bringing that to light. It, but, but my so like I, I don't want to just be like, oh, 287. You may not need 287. You may not want 287. It depends, right? And, but again, just the number, just the number doesn't mean anything. You could you could have a million dollar business and run a one percent profit margin, and that's a garbage business. 
Yeah, no, but that's exactly where I was going with it. I would argue that when I, I think at my peak, Albany CrossFit had right around 500 members, you know, and we were making a ton of money, but I can't tell you that if I would have dropped to 200 members and done things better, we would not have been making more money. And something you and I preach daily is money is important. We get it. You need to have a successful business. Now, how much money you need is different for everyone. And I would argue there's a point where making 200 grand a year and being miserable, I would rather make 50 grand a year, potentially work less and be happy. So there's, there's that to be said. And there's also having less members, but charging more and having more options for them with members you enjoy. They, you know, we all, if you're listening to this, you have members that you don't like. If you're listening to this, you might be that member that your box owner doesn't like. So having 287 members simply means there's more opportunity for those people you don't like. I want this place to be packed full of people that I can't wait to be around. Well, you're not going to like everybody, like, or at least not to the same degree. But the point is like, it's at that, at that point, at that point, it, it doesn't matter anymore. My job is to walk in and serve, right? Like my job is to walk in and change lives and give them a kick-ass experience, whether I like them or not. We're not going to hang out for endless amounts of hours afterwards. Like that's not the point. There, there's just two things that I would want people to emphasize, or I would want people to look at a little bit differently. One is retention is sales. So when we say you need sales, you need to continue to resell the people you have. This is kind of this is a budgeting issue, right? And if you're if you're into any sort of finances or, or kind of anything, if you ever read up on Dave Ramsey or anything like that, you know, kind of a financial guru, like your greatest asset is what you already have. Are you maximizing what you already have? Then we can talk about like bumping that up. And it's no different in profit first in Michael McCallowitz's books. He's like, hey, first thing I have to do is just like reduce as much cost as I have as, as I can with the current revenue I have so that I can maximize that thing and then make the gap between my expense and my profit as, as wide as possible. So that's the first thing is just like sales. I, first place you should look is currently what you have. Resell those people. Make sure that your churn rate is as low as humanly possible because we've seen it time and time again. And that's why we preach the net three. You cannot, the net three theory doesn't work if you're not maximizing retention. Explain, right. explain to everybody net three because not everybody. Net three means if I net three means if I bring in six people and I have three people leave in the same month, that is net three. I gained three people total. If I bring in fourteen and at four and fifteen people leave, I'm net I'm net negative one. So and, that's and what we're, we're talking believe, about net three. We believe best hour affiliate you. Net three is the way to go. I mean, think about it. If you have net three a month for a year, you've gained thirty six members. And I think the part that the listeners need to understand is. It's not that you're getting 36 members. It's that you're getting 36 quality members who are going to be there for, you know, we, we believe if you can get somebody to stick around for 180 days or six months, they're going to stick around for basically forever. Now, that's what allows you to continue that net three. So it's compounding. Which is the whole purpose, right? It's just is is looking at this through on a much longer timetable so that what I'm focusing on is what will actually create more. So if I if I have a, a larger member base that stays around long enough, then the referrals are higher, which means then I don't have to do a ton of outside sales. 
and then th th you can leverage this a lot of different ways. But again, that's internal again, which is like sell there first, sell who you already have. You don't need to be running ads and spending a ridiculous amount of time on copy. You do need to do those things. You do need to have a clear message that explains who these ideal people are and all that. I'm, I'm not poo-pooing on social media. Just think people are putting all their eggs in this cold sales bucket when you have a leaky faucet. And I know people, we've heard that term before, right? Just like, you know, you, you got to make sure that people don't fall to the bottom of the bucket. But I want to, I want to reframe that because people are only looking at sales as external. If I reframe that and I say, well, Hey, sales is internal as well. And then I'm going to have to continue to resell these people. Well, this frames everything differently. It also makes it easier to take my eye away from this 30 new people a month. And if you get that great, I'm happy for you. But now I'm just like three, I need three right? I don't know a gym owner out there that wouldn't take a massive sigh of relief if I was just like, dude, three, just get three people and keep everybody else. Now you can focus on all the shit that's important. And we're not suggesting you turn down seven people because you got your three, certainly get that. But if you just think about these small wins, if you're a box owner and you can't get three new members a month, there's, there's a inherent problem there. You're not doing something right, whether it's you're not providing the experience your members need. So they're going out and telling your friends. They're not putting good content forward facing on Instagram to entice people to come in. You're not running things like a bring a friend week that we talk about, which by the way, I got an email from somebody else trying to do a bring a friend week. Not nearly as good as what we promote. Just throwing it out. I don't even remember who it was, but I was like, this is nonsense. Well, it's not about bringing a friend week. It's not, it's not a, this mythical unicorn that if you just put it out there that we're, it's, a, it's, it's, about, it's, a, it's like everything that we choose. Like, how do you do it? I was like, okay, cool. Tell me the points performance for the air squat. Maybe you can rattle them out. Maybe you, maybe you can't, which at the, I kind of don't care. I want to see you execute that on, at, from a coaching standpoint on the floor. That's what I actually care about. That's, That's what makes all of those things important. It's not about bring a friend week. Uh, here's the idea, everybody. I give it to you for free. Like it's not mind blowing. Run it once a quarter. Many people come in as that week as you want. Like, it doesn't matter. There you go. The end. That doesn't mean it's going to be successful. No, it doesn't mean it's going to be successful. But uh, if you're doing things right, it, it will be. But again, it's, it's not about that one thing. It's about doing all of these little things well. What are some of the things you sell at Rife that maybe some affiliate owners aren't doing that they should be doing? When you say sell, can you be more specific? Well, you know, somebody comes into CrossFit Rife, they buy, I assume, first things first, the CrossFit membership. Now, I know you offer other things as a box, such as your sauna, your recovery area, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, they can, you know, but what are some other things when you think about average revenue per member that, that you're doing well there that other box owners should be taking advantage of? Well, retail is the low-hanging fruit, and we could go, we could talk endlessly about retail, but but the point is, it, that it's there and it's able to be leveraged correctly based on what people want and then delivering it on a systematic basis so that I'm not like sales E, right? I'm not pushing it down people's throat. Like I know generally what people want. So then that's what I offer and then they buy it. And then I do it systematically so that we get repeat buys all the time. And then we may have some big plus ups here and there. And then you can get creative with like how you package them and bundle them and using discount codes and stuff like that. We're like, I'm, I'm all for that kind of stuff. And I want to give average, yeah. a shout out, for example, we had a, a call yesterday, our group call and Jen said 
she had the most people buy Murph shirts right. ever this year. Ever. Obviously, part of it is she crossed over that 100-member threshold for the first time. So right. that, was, that was a big part. So obviously, the more members you have, the more members you have buying apparel. But it's also about getting your members to think about, okay, when I buy a new T-shirt, I buy it at the box. When I buy my protein, I buy it at the box. When I need knee sleeves or wrist straps or any of that stuff, I support my box. So it's, it's going to just continue to just like that net three, it's going to continue to compound. Next time she sells shirts, more people are going to buy it because A, she's making them bigger and better. B, she's getting better prices. You know, there's so many things that go along with that, but it starts with understanding, you know, inside your box is where sales need to happen. When we started to hit the, the numbers that we wanted, was when we stopped paying attention to the goal. We started focusing on what would be the things or the process that would get us there. Because you get distracted by the goal and then you skip all the things that would get you there, right? It's just like focusing on, we got to win the game. We got to win. And all we do is just think about winning. And it's just like, we got to win. We got to beat the other team. And it's just like, yeah, but what are you doing to beat the other team? Are you practicing? Are you running through your playbook? Are you working on your defensive schemes? Are you working on the the play sets that you're going to run? Like, what's, what are you doing? For the record, what sport are we talking about here? Any sport you want. What sport would you want? Uh, we do curling, we, curling, we, curling, we, curling, curling. It'd be curling. Yeah. No, but um, are you no, focused? That's, you, you hear that a lot in any sport too, like when a champion wins and they're like, oh, you know, then they lose. And like, you know, I stopped doing the things that were working. I got lazy, I got complacent. And those are the things when you started, you, you took such amazing care of every person that walked into your gym. I mean, I used to buy a new binder, print out their names, you know, before there were Wattify and all that, print out blank pages, like all of those things. And then I stopped doing it because I got too many members, right? But if you take that same care, for every well, I would argue, I will give you some criticism here. I don't think it's because you got too many members. There's probably something as an owner where you did not build the team in order to continue to keep doing that. That's exactly right. I, it should have become, this is low-hanging fruit for me to delegate to somebody else. And rather than doing that, you know, I had those people start coaching or running on-ramp, et cetera, but I didn't have them do those little things. And I got too busy to run out to, you know, office max twice a week to buy binders. It, the, the reason this is important it, it, and the reason that sales is not your problem, it, it, like if we pulled and this isn't it, we may have talked to this before. I don't remember if you pull Wattify, I don't know how the other ones do it, but I know Wattify sends you a year snapshot every year. It should be like, it's, it's like these like overarching metrics, most gyms. And I've seen probably just a dozen this year. Most of them have anywhere between 60 to a hundred people, meaning like new clients that came into the system. That's double to triple what we recommend. What's the problem? So the problem is not people coming in. The problem is you're not keeping them. And that is that is the focus point. Now, why is this important? Or why do we want to make the goalpost closer? Or why do we want to focus on these smaller things and retaining people and gaining small? Number one, to maximize experience. Number two, so that I can grow steadily. So I know that I have sustainable income so that you can not make the mistake that you're referring to earlier, which is like, I have all this revenue and I didn't do the correct thing with the revenue, which was build a team. Because I know if I need $20,000 of sales coming in every month, what's really hard to hire at that point, to be honest with you, if I'm because if I lose that, then so and so is out of a job next month. 
But if I know month over month, I'm running a three to 5% increase. And we went from 15 to 17 to 18 to 23. And then we hold 23 for four months. And then we go 27 then we go 30 K a month. That now becomes the new run rate because I can see the consistency across. Now I can start to level up the team. But if you're a slave to the sale, all I've got is salespeople and the, and the focus is on the wrong people, which is just like sell, 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 sell versus deliver, deliver awesome service. Those people will be your salespeople. This is something that Coach Glassman was, in my personal opinion, like misinterpreted. He wasn't saying don't do sales. He was saying crush it with your members and maximize retention and they will do it for you. Yeah, I mean, his famous expression was, I don't want you know, market or pay for marketing. I have an army of marketers that do it for free. Right. And, and, and I think many gyms have that in the beginning. I mean, I certainly had it at Albany CrossFit. I could not get people to shut up about Albany. Every day, somebody was bringing in a buddy. Somebody was bringing in a friend. I mean, it, it was amazing. And, and what you need to do is then take care of those people so they continue to bring in more friends and more friends. And that's what it's all about. That's when you also, like I discussed earlier, have that group of people that you enjoy being around. Because if your friends are bringing in their friends, they're probably pretty cool too. And those are the people you right. want to be around with. Well, I mean, let's, I'm, let's just pose the question out there. If you're a gym owner, which one of these two situations or scenarios would you pre to, uh, prefer to be presented with? I want you to learn to build sales funnels, right? I want you to learn how to use all these automated systems, build Facebook ads, build copy, do creative, all these other things, right? Write all these copies and put them together and then continue to model your Facebook ads, your metrics and dial up your spend, you know, your, your CPA for all that stuff. Or would you prefer to be like, Hey, let's dial in, you know, like tracking attendance. Let's refine, you know, how we, what the process is for, for when people join the gym. Let's maybe look at uh, how we, our pricing structure works. Like, do we have a solid referral program? And like, what is our, you know, events for the year? Which one of those would you rather do? Which one? Like, but everybody chases the shiny thing, like oh, Facebook ads. And I'm like, you don't know shit about Facebook ads. And you don't need to, by the way. And you're not good at it. And it's not fun. And it's not going to give me what I want. Yeah, and if you so, want to you know, hire someone that knows a little bit about Facebook ads and pump a couple bucks in there every day, go for it. Just that's not what you should be relying on. I hear, I mean, I will give you my experience that the number, when that becomes something that should seriously be considered and now is a, a legitimate function within the gym is something around 300, where the churn rate, even if really good, looks like something between five to 10 people will be leaving every single month. Yeah. You get to 300 members, five to 10 people. That's like three, not, not even, right. It's like 2%. It's 1%. Well, I mean, that's, that's okay. And then it's okay because we're getting some new people coming in from this market. Right. But, I think but at that point, that point, it's a legit concern because 1% share, let's call it 2%, right? So like you have a 2% churn rate, everybody would do a three, let's go. But even that in the gym industry would be considered like really good. At that point, now it's, now it's legitimate right now. And now I need to figure out, but then it's not, but then you have to think there's a, there's a right and a wrong way to do that, which is if done correctly, there will be multiple layers to running ads. That's a whole separate discussion, but there's like layer one, layer two, layer three, that by the time this person comes in, they are now a warm lead. It's not a free something or other, you get this. That is a cold call and we all know how that works. 
it's not the clients you want. You'll get a handful, the vast majority of them are not. And, and, and the work required to sift through all of those is astronomical. Okay. So there's a right and wrong way to do that. But most people, you can push towards this upper echelon of two to 300 members without ever touching a Facebook ad. Just create really good social media and people will share the shit out of it in their circles, which is exactly where I want to focus my time anyway. So as the world opens back up specifically, like you do not need to be focusing your time on front end sales. You're going to get it. Make sure your website doesn't suck. Make sure your social media has like regular posts, you know, that highlighting, you know, success stories, stuff like that. And then focus on really kicking ass when people walk in the gym, make sure that their experience is amazing. Make sure that they move well, make sure they have fun, make sure they get results. That's it. That is your sale. Your greatest retention, and we talked about this, your greatest retention tool is the 60 minutes between when the whiteboard brief starts and when you break everybody after the cool down. That is your greatest sales tool. Use that. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.